listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. So um, we are in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Last week, we looked at the the account in verses 17 uh, through 19 of Abraham and Isaac. And so this morning, now we have just one verse to wrestle with, and that's Hebrews chapter 11, um, verse 20. Um, but if you remember last week, there was this idea of, of seeing, as we looked in the Old Testament, the Old Testament account of Abraham and Isaac, there's a lot of words that had to do with seeing and sight and understanding, right? And even though we don't see how all of God's promises are going to work, right, our sight is actually our faith in God, the God who sees all the God who takes all the steps necessary to provide, and it's his story, and it's his plan of redemption, it's his plan of salvation that he is working out us. So we need to make sure we keep our eyes focused on him. And Abraham got to a point on when it came to this, this command from God to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? he got to this point where he treated it as, as God's problem. That God himself had to reconcile the promise that he made um, to Abraham and this command that he gave to Abraham to sacrifice his son. And in this story has a very strong, that story had a very strong connection to Jesus. We unpacked a little bit of that. And so the more that we understand the gospel, the more that we continue to grow in the gospel, right, our, our responses to the gospel is not just going to be, what am I willing to sacrifice, but I am willing to sacrifice, right? And everything needs to be on the table um, of our lives when it comes to sacrificing for the gospel. So this morning, we're going to look at this guy, this character, if you will, um, Isaac. And he gets one verse, and it's simply this, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, right? Isaac is probably... Well, Abraham gets a lot of, lot of chapters in the Bible. Um, Jacob gets a lot of chapters in the Bible. Um, Isaac gets about two and a half chapters in the Bible. Um, Isaac's a very interesting, uh, interesting guy, and they believe that he was probably one of the, I mean, it's important to be a patriarch, but he might have been one of the quote-unquote lesser patriarchs, if you will, and we'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit here um, this morning. So let me pray for us. I already read the verse to you, right? Let me pray for us, and then we'll spend some time in God's Word. We'll have fun this morning by His grace, and we will learn and we will grow together. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to gather, Lord, and to be in a a setting where we can worship with fellow believers in Christ, where we can sing to you, we can offer our prayers to you. Lord, and now we have an opportunity to sit under your words. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word. I'm thankful that it is your word that sanctifies us. It's your word that grows us and challenges us. Lord, I'm thankful that your word is so active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it does exactly what you want it to do. And so, Lord, I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds and open ears to hear from you this morning, Lord. And it wouldn't just be the hearing, but it would be the doing and it would be the response as well. And again, I just thank you for this time in your name. Amen. All right, so you know how I'm going to start, right? You're probably getting very bored of this, but eventually you're going to memorize Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, uh, simply because this faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? So there's assurance and conviction, right, that starts this chapter. And so every example that the author of Hebrews gives us has got to fit, right, within that assurance and conviction kind of theme. And what we'll see this morning very clearly, right, is this man Isaac... And his family, um, and, I, and I said it at one point this week, they put the fun in dysfunctional. Right? They had issues. They are far, far from perfect. Right now, as we've looked at Cain, or excuse me, as we've looked at Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, right? They're, they're, they're not perfect, but boy, I'll tell you, when you look at this man, Isaac, and his family, it kind of hits you between the eyes. That this man had some baggage and his family had some baggage. And here's the encouragement, all right, is that 
this is not just a story about Old Testament history, right? If you are here this morning and you are in Christ, Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob, right, are members of your family too, right? So that dysfunction right, is part of our history, part of our lineage. And we all fall under now the headship or the lordship of Christ, but this is part of who we are, and we can learn so much from this man, Isaac, and his family. In order to do that now, we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis. So Genesis chapter 25 is where we're going to begin, and we're going to go all the way through Genesis chapter 27, Please don't stress out. I promise I will move quick, although you may think I'm not moving quick enough, right? We will move quickly through this text this morning. Starting in verse 19 of Genesis chapter 25, um, we read about the birth of Esau and Jacob. So we will start the story there. The first part of chapter 25 is is the genealogy of Abraham. We want to land here on Isaac. And what we find out in the first, in verses 19 through 28, is that when Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. And Isaac prayed to the Lord, right, because Rebekah was barren. Rebekah couldn't have children. So Rebekah was like, very similar to her, her mother-in-law, right? And she could not have children, all right? But Isaac prays for her. So right there, there's there's like this little glimmer of hope, because if you remember back to Abraham, when Sarah couldn't have children, what did they do, right? They kind of, they tried to solve the problem themselves, right, with Sarah's servant Hagar. But Isaac prays for his wife, and God answers his prayer, and Rebekah conceives, and Rebekah becomes pregnant, and that we learn that it it is a hard pregnancy for Rebecca. In chapter in verse 22 it says the children struggled together within her and she said if it is thus why is this happening to me? So it was not an easy pregnancy for Rebecca. And so she went to the Lord and she inquired of the Lord. So it, it sounds so full of hope and encouragement. And the Lord answers her and he tells her Right? Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be the stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Okay, so Rebecca hears this, right? And so there's probably some encouragement mixed in there, but there's also some probably confusion because the older should not serve. The younger, the younger should in fact serve the older because in that culture, right, the firstborn, right, was opened up to all kinds of the inheritance and possessions and succession and all these things. They were the leader of the home, of the family. And so right there, Rebecca learns that God's going to do something different with these two children. So what does this tell us about God's? Right? It tells us that it's what? It's God's plan. Right? God is not bound by the cultural norms of the day. In fact, Paul addresses, his, addresses this fact in Romans chapter 9, where he talks about, uh, starting in verse 10, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, that they were not yet born and had not done either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election may continue. Fast forward to verse 12, the older shall serve the younger. So God has a plan that goes against cultural norms. It's His plan, it's His purposes, and He's going to do exactly what He needs to do for His glory. Right? And so we see that begin to start fleshing out just in God's answer to Rebecca's question. And so that's encouraging to us. It should be encouraging to us. Because even in this day, in this age, this means to us that God is not bound by what our culture pushes forward as being important or most important or how you should live your lives. He's not limited by any of that. He's not limited by the importance of 
significant families in our culture, or fame, or fortune, or having the right job, making the most money, right, being in the top 1%, being the first billionaire to get to space. He's, he's not bound by any of those things. It doesn't limit him, right? And what this means, right, is that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't limit us, right? If it doesn't limit God and we're his children, then it doesn't limit us. God is faithful, right, and he's going to do his good will and he's going to do his good purposes and his ways are not our ways, right, or the ways of the world. And so we don't have to get swept up in, right, all these things that the world and culture pushes towards us as being the most important things, right? God's ways are the most important well, the time comes, we're now back in Genesis chapter 25, where Rebecca's going to give birth, right? And she gives birth to, to two sons. And we read that the first one came out red. All his body was like a hairy cloak. And so they called his name Esau, which means red or hairy, okay? And then right on the heels, literally, of Esau was his brother Jacob. In fact, Jacob was holding on to the heel of his older brother Esau. And so you want to talk about like rapid fire births, like this is what I can't imagine, right? Here's what happens. Well, Jacob's name means heel catcher, okay? Which is an idiom for a, a trickster or a deceiver, right? And so names right, have profound significance in the Old Testaments, right, and these boys are born, right, and they grow up, and it's believed that they were in their teens, probably when their grandfather Abraham died, and I'm going to guess here that they probably knew about the promise that God had made to their grandfather Abraham that was going to be passed on through their dad, Isaac. They knew about the covenants, but as these boys grew up, Esau was an outdoorsman. Esau was a quote-unquote man's man. He liked to go out and hunt and kill things and grill them and eat them. That's what Esau liked to do. He was outdoors, right? I guess that makes him almost like a manor, kind of, right? right? And Isaac loved Esau. Right? Isaac loved Esau. Why? Because Isaac was a foodie. Isaac loved to eat, and Isaac was the son who could bring him food to, to eat. Jacob, um, Jacob was more of a homebody, right? Jacob kind of liked to hang around the house and be around the tents, right, and be there. Um, and, and listen, neither of them are, are painted in a bad light, right? There's personalities here, so if you have children or grandchildren, right, and you, you see children, right, they're so different, Right, head scratchingly different sometimes. Right, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Right, so right out of the gates, all right, we start seeing now some favoritism, right, some dysfunction showing itself within this family, this family who Isaac is the heir of the promise, and that promise is going to be passed on to one of his sons, right? And so this favoritism, right, almost starts being a threat, right, to, right, God's promise, right, because who does, who does Isaac love? Esau, but yet the older is going to serve the younger, so now there's already tension within the home. In fact, we will see that Isaac actually fights against the prophecy of his youngest son, Jacob, being the heir to, to that promise. Isaac's love of food will actually be an avenue to trick him into giving the blessing to his younger son, Jacob. And Rebekah's favoritism for the youngest son will fuel this deception that she's going to orchestrate um, to make sure that her youngest son, Jacob, gets pushed to the forefront. Right, but before we get there, 
right? In Genesis chapter 25 and verses 29 to 34, we read about Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of stew, okay? So what's this tell us about Esau? Well, Esau's probably a tad shallow. Um, Esau's probably a, a, a guy, a man, right, who just sees things like that are right in front of him and doesn't see down the road, doesn't see down the lane, very far, if you will. Um, Esau also is, is a, tad, uh, a tad dramatic, right? He was, right, he's exhausted. Um, sell me your birth right now. I'm about to die um, of, what use, right? of what use is the birthright to me, right? And so, like, he's a little, he's a, he's a little drama. He's, he's an outdoorsman. He's tough, but he's got a little bit of drama mixed in with him. In fact, when he says that he's exhausted, right, it's, he's actually saying, I'm destitute. Like, I have no of the basic needs that I need right now in my life. That's how bad my life is. I'm destitute. And so, Jacob, being the heel catcher, right, the, the trickster, or the deceiver says, <laughs> well, this is awesome, right? Sell me your birthright. I'll give you some stew. Sell it to me. Right? Give me all the privileges that you have coming to you because you're the firstborn. Okay, and this, this is profoundly significant. This is a very significant move, a very significant transaction that takes place. Because the firstborn inherits a double portion of the inheritance from their father. Right, so what this means, if, if there were three sons, all right, I grew up in a family with three boys. That means my oldest brother gets two-thirds of the inheritance, and then my younger brother and I get to, get to divvy up the final thirds. But now, if there's only two sons, as in Esau and Jacob... That means the firstborn gets everything. The inheritance, becoming the leader of the family, the protector of the family. It is through his family that there will be succession and the family line will, be, will continue. Right? And Jacob understands this right, and pounces on this opportunity while Esau is just like, I'm, I'm destitute, I'm starving, Right? Uh, just give me stew. I don't, I don't care about a birthright now. Just give me stew. I'm hungry. And so Jacob is so driven, right, by that birthright, by the, the possessions and, and, and the power and the heritage that will be his, that he's willing to trick and deceive his older brother. Right? And so, like, so that, like, the table now is even set a little bit nicer for, for what's going to happen. Right? That this family is little, riddled, excuse me, with just unrighteousness and sin. Right? And it highlights, it should highlight for us, because ultimately, right, the heir to the promise that God made Abraham ultimately is who? It's, it's Christ. Right? And so as we read the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau... Right, we should be sitting here thinking like, oh, we need someone a little bit better than this family. Right? Please. Right? And so we see that it's going to be ultimately filled in Christ. He is the heir of the promise. Right? And so as the author of Hughes has been talking about Jesus being the supremacy of Jesus in all things, right? We see now how this is going to show us that Jesus is the ultimate and best heir of the promise, even though God's going to use this messed up, dysfunctional family to continue his promises through to Christ. And so Genesis chapter 26, um, God gives, passes on the promises that he gave to Abraham directly to Isaac, right? So Isaac understands what is at stake here. He's heard directly from God, here's the promises I gave your dad, I'm now giving them to you, and they're going to be now passed on to your, your offspring and your children. So now we get to Genesis chapter 25. And this is where Isaac blesses Jacob. First four verses. Okay, now remember, right, what is, what is faith, right? 
the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay? Seen. Here's how Genesis 27 opens. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And Esau answered, Here I am. Right? Look, it is, it is I, that, that term of endearment. Not a surprise. Esau is no dummy. Right? Esau knows how much his dad loves him and prefers him over Jacob. Right? It's me, dad. I'm here for you. And Isaac says, behold, see, right? And so here's this, this language again about seeing, right? Isaac, now it turns out, right, that, that Isaac is actually blind here in a couple ways, right? There's, there's physical blindness, right? He does not see well. He, he can't make out people's faces. He can't even see. Maybe he'll see like the outline of someone if that's all he's got. His eyes are really, really dim, Right? But we're going to learn that Isaac is also very spiritually blind. Right? And how do we know this? Because Isaac tells his son to go out into the fields and kill something and cook it for me because you know I'm a foodie, Esau. Right? Hook me up with the good stuff. And when you do, come back and I'm going to give you the blessing. But no, the blessing's supposed to go to. Jacob, because Jacob is the one who's going to, like the oldest, going to serve the, the younger. Right? So Isaac is physically blind, and he's also spiritually blind. Right? So he's, he's clearly, right, he's clearly trying to go around, right, God's promise. Right? Because I'm going to go out on a limb, and the reason why I'm saying this is I'm going to go out on a limb and say when, the, when God speaks to Rebecca when she's pregnant and says, hey, here's what's going to happen, right? I'm guessing that Isaac and Rebecca probably had a conversation. Isaac knew. Right? But he's so driven by his own desires, his own plans, maybe his own ambitions, that he's blind to what God has said and to what God is doing. All right, so I need to ask you a question, and it's an open-ended question, right? How often do our own desires, our own ambitions, and our own plans blind us to what God is doing? Right? How he might be working and how he might be moving. In verses now, Genesis 27, verses 5 through 17. All right, Rebecca was listening when Isaac was speaking to, to Esau. And so when Esau leaves to go out into the field to hunt and to bring food back for her dad, she calls Jacob. And says, listen, your, your, your dad was just talking to your older brother. Um, this isn't good because he's going to bless Esau, and, and you need to get the blessing here. Um, so this is, what I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out um, and get a couple goats and bring them back to me. Um, I'm going to, to cook them up um, and prepare them for your dad. I know exactly how your dad loves to have his goat. Right? He'll never know. Right? I will cook him his food for him. And then you're going to bring it to your dad. And so when you bring it to him, he's, and he's, going, to, he's, going, to, he's going to bless you before he dies. And he knows he's dying. Right? He told Esau this. He, he knows his days are limited. His days are, are numbered. So he will, he'll bless you. Right? And Jacob, right, doesn't say, geez, you know what, Mom? That's a little sketchy. I love you, but I'm not sure. What if you just go talk to dad and say, hey, you remember what God said about the younger serving the older? Wouldn't that be better here? That's not what Jacob says, right? Jacob says, right, behold, like, see, okay, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man, right? Esau looks like a rug, and I don't. So perhaps my, my father, when, when I bring this in, he, he's going he's to figure this out, 
right? And instead of getting a blessing, he's going to, he's going to curse me. And Rebecca says these words, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Right now, the, the irony here, right? The irony here, right? Remember back in Genesis chapter 25 when Rebecca couldn't have children and Isaac prayed for her, right? And, and, and being childless was a curse back in that day. And her husband prayed for her, and God answered that prayer and provided children for her, two sons for her, and, and actually kind of gave her more information about how that was going to even work, and the, younger, the older was going to serve the younger, right? And, 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 and how God blessed her in spite of the, 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 the cursedness of her barren state of not being able to have children, right? But now she's inviting a curse for blessing. Oh, if, if your dad curses you, that curse will be on me as long as you get the blessing. The, the family's just, right? And so they go out, and he goes out and brings in the goats, right? And they skin the goats. Rebecca's cooking the goats, right? Then she takes some of the skin from the goats and says, here, put this on your arms, put this on your hands, put this on the back of your neck. Right? So if your dad actually reaches out and kind of touches you, he's going to feel like, well, he's hairy. He must be Esau. And so now in verse 18, right, Jacob goes to his father and he says, my father. And Isaac answers, he, here I am. Look, look it, is, it is I. He thinks it's Esau, right, his, his beloved, his, his favorite son. And Jacob says to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Lie. I have done what you told me. Second lie. Now sit and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly? Like, listen, Esau, like, you're good, man, but this is like really good. Right? This is really fast. Jacob answers, because the Lord your God granted me success. Third lie. Then Isaac calls him over, and he touches him, and he says, boy, boy, the, the voice sounds like Jacob, but man, you feel like Esau. You're a hairy guy. And so Isaac asks him, are you really my son Esau? Jacob answers, I am. Fourth lie. And so he brings the food to his dad. His dad eats. He gives him a little bit of wine to help wash it down. And he says, come here, son, and, and, and kiss me. And so... Jacob leans over and kisses his dad's, and his dad smells the, the hair, the, the goat hair, and says, no, no, this is definitely Esau. Esau has a very distinct odor to himself. This has got to be him. And he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to now bless you. See, it's the first word of the blessing, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the, of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. He asked God to, 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 to bless his son Esau. Right? In, in a very similar way that, that God said he was going to bless his father Abraham with prosperity and, and abundance and, and this, this right to rule and being, being a great nation. 
right? And if people, if people bless you, then God will bless them. But if people have the nerve to even curse you, then God will curse them. It's very similar to what his father Abraham had heard from God and what God had told him back in Genesis chapter 26. And as soon as that conversation, as soon as that blessing happens, right, Isaac scoots, excuse me, Jacob scoots, right? Because you imagine the tension here, right? Right? Jacob's probably saying, like, oh, you got to, like, bless me here because, man, if Esau comes back in right now, <laughs> not good, right? Come on, Dad, pick it up, right? Blessing's over. Jacob scoots out, right? Isaac comes in. Oh, excuse me, Esau comes in. I'm getting names all confused here. I'm so sorry. All right? Jacob leaves. Isaac's laying down, full stomach, right? Maybe a little bit of food coma, right? Esau comes walking in and says, hey, Dad, here you go, hooking you up. Here, here's the game that I killed and prepared for you just, just the way you like it. And Isaac says to Esau, who are you? Esau answers, uh, I'm, I'm your son. I'm, I'm your, your firstborn son, right? Blessing, inheritance, that guy. I'm, I'm your firstborn son, Esau. And Isaac's response is to tremble violently and say, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me and I ate it before you came and I have blessed, I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his dad, he cries out um, with a, just a bitter cry that was laced with pain and anger and remorse. And he says, bless me, even me also, O my father. Right? In that moment, Esau recognizes that he has now, I mean, he, and he's already sold his birthright, right? But he recognizes now that like, he gets nothing because someone else took his birthright. Someone else took the blessing and has the inheritance. And Isaac says, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your, your blessing." Esau, right, <laughs> right, and I quote, right, is he not rightly named Jacob, trickster, deceiver, heel grabber, right, for he's cheated me two times. He took away my birthright, lie, you sold it, and he's now taken away my blessing, right, and he's pleading with his dad here, he's pleading with his dad's. Have you not received a blessing? Don't, have you not reserved a blessing for me? I'm your firstborn. I'm, I'm your favorite. You love me more than that trickster. Like, what do you have for me, Dad? Well, there's only two sons, and the, first, and the, one, the oldest gets, gets everything, so now your son Jacob has everything, and you've got nothing. Right? And he says, Behold, I have made him Lord over you. This is Isaac speaking. I have made him Lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me. Even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept, right? In this exchange, right, Isaac trembles. Isaac is now wrestling with, what do I do? Because I have just given everything to Jacob, the, the, the younger son. Right? Is it possible that Isaac could have simply recanted and pulled the blessing off of Jacob and given it to Esau? Yes. I mean, if you look at the pattern of the family, right, you would almost expect Isaac to do that, but he doesn't. 
right? Because I believe in this moment, in this conversation with his son, his favorite son, he's now beginning to connect the dots and understand God's plan, and he might be hearing the words of the older will serve the younger. And Isaac stands firm on what he has done. He doesn't pull the blessing off of Jacob. By faith, Isaac. And and, and we wrestle with this, right? Because we just don't see a whole lot of faith here up until perhaps this moment. And so he blesses Esau. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall you dwell, shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Right? It's the, right, it's the opposite of what he told Jacob. Right? And so what has happened here right, is that Isaac blesses his son Esau and basically says, you're going to be a wanderer. Right? You think of Cain. Right? You're going to wander the face of the earth. You're going to be a wanderer. And you're going to, be, you're going to serve your brother Jacob. The older will serve the younger. But here, okay, and so we're like, okay, how on earth is what he wrote here, how on earth is what Isaac said a blessing? Here is what I believe the blessing is. Right, the last part of verse 40, he says, but when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. You're not going to be held in service to your younger brother forever. Eventually, you're going to get so restless that you're going to break that yoke around your neck, right? Now, Esau, right, becomes the father of the Edomite people, right? Jacob is the father of the Israelite people, right? And so in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, we read about Edom, who revolts against the nation of Judah after the, after the nation of Israel splits into two kingdoms and Edom gains its independence from Judah. It's the fulfillment of the blessing that Isaac gave to his son. But now, Edom is always going to be a thorn in the flesh of the nation of Israel. All right, so of all the all the... Remember how I said that Esau was a little bit dramatic, right? And he's crying, he's weeping, and he's wailing, okay? Well, the question becomes, like, okay, was that, like, how genuine was that? Like, how broken up? Did Esau see the error of his ways? Was he, like, convicted by what he had done and even selling his birthright? Like, where is Esau in all of this? Is this genuine conviction, genuine repentance, Well, we read in verse 41 of Genesis 27 that it wasn't because Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, my days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. There's no godly sorrow there, there's vengeance. And so if we read the last little bit um, of chapter 27, um, there's this, this fascinating exchange of like, for whatever reason, you get the impression that Rebecca and Jacob are a little bit caught off guard by the response from, from, from Esau, right? Like, what do you think is going to happen, right? If you, if, you, if you slip in there and deceitfully take something, I mean, and it's, and it's yours, but like, look how you went about doing it, right? It's like... So it's, it's complicated. Right? But his actions of Jacob and Rebekah were, were, were littered with sin and unrighteousness and deceit. Right? So, so what did they think the response was going to be? Right? What, do you th- what did they think? Right? Which leads me to another question I need to ask. Right? Do you typically, and, and like, do we... 
okay? Do we typically think about the consequences of our actions? What what do we think is going to happen when we act sinfully? Because if you're anything like me, right, in those moments when when I act in sin towards somebody or act in an unrighteous way, Right, and I kind of get called out on it, or it doesn't go the way I hoped it would go, and I'm all like kind of like tweaked and bent because it didn't go quote unquote my way. Right? Why would I think it should go my way? I've acted in a way that has been an affront to, to God. It's it's sin. And so verses 30, uh, 43 to 45 is where we'll end our time in Genesis 27. Um, Rebecca said, tells Jacob, right, hey, you need, to, um, uh, you need to, like, scoot out of town for a few. I know you're a home, like, that's a big ask, right? He's a homebody. Um, you need to, like, pack up and go because um, I overheard your brother, and uh, he's looking, once your dad dies, he's going to kill you. You need to, you need to scoot town for a little bit until he cools off. Well, that little bit ends up being 20 years. Right? And so the deceit, right, you think about the, the ripple effect of, of this, this family who was childless and God answers their prayers and gives them children and tells them there's two nations warring within you, right? There, there's Israel and there's Edom. There's two nations at war within you, but the, the older is going to serve the younger. But these are your children. I've answered this prayer for you. And they act this way and that the fracturing that takes place within the family Right? We shouldn't be surprised. Right? And so we, we, we learn all of this, right? and then we've got to go all the way now back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now, the author of Hebrews doesn't unpack any of the dysfunction. Right? It's like a Jerry Springer show. I just dated myself. It's like a Jerry Springer show. Right? He doesn't unpack any of that. Right? He doesn't talk about Isaac who was going to give the blessing to, to Esau, even though he knew it was supposed to go to Jacob. And so he's really kind of going against God's promise and his, his call of an heir and who that heir was supposed to be. He doesn't talk about Esau, who so like despised his birthright that he sold it for a bowl of stew. And then wants to go kill his brother. He doesn't talk about Jacob who tries to secure this blessing by by deception and he he was in cahoots with his mom who went around his dad's back and his brother's back to hatch this plan and to execute this plan. He doesn't talk about any of that. He talks about by faith Isaac. It wasn't until Isaac came to realize the permanence of you, if you will, of the blessings that God had given to him and had given to his dad and, and, and how it is God's plan. It's not driven by what culture may say, well, but Esau is the oldest. God says, I don't care. It's going to Jacob. He's the heir. Once Isaac comes to grips with that and realizes, you want to know what? Look at all we tried to do. Right, to undo this plan and to do it our own way. But yet God's plan is perfect and it goes exactly how he wants it to go and he's not wavering on Jacob being the heir and he's going to make sure that Jacob is the heir because God is faithful to his promises and he can be trusted and he is good. But it took God backing Isaac into a corner to do it. It took him, right? But, right, before Isaac would, would believe, right, but Isaac does believe, right, but it took God backing him into a corner. Right, so the application here, right, is, is, is quote-unquote, easy to a degree, right? Because Jacob is the heir of promise. God's promises stand. God cannot lie. He's going to be the father of the nation of Israel. Esau becomes the father of the Edomite 
people who are going to end up serving Israel for years and generations and generations, but eventually they're going to rise up and break the yoke and they're going to become their own nation, but all the time they're going to just be this needle in the side of the nation of Israel. Right? But it's, it's God's plan. Right? And so when we think about the things that God is doing and how He's working and how He's moving, and I can look at my own life and be like, man, you want to know what? Sometimes God has to, what? Back me into a corner. Why? Because I'm rebellious. My, my ways are better. I'm going to help God figure this out and do it my own way. Right? But God is going to work His plan. He is going to work this plan of redemption, the story of redemption to perfection. He is sovereign. He is in perfect, absolute control over everything. And He is going to fulfill His purposes even in spite of sin. Even in spite of rebellion, He's going to do things perfectly. Here's how we know this. Because he sent his one and only son to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life. And his son gave up that life on the cross, even when he was lied about, false testimony, false accusations, murder. It's God's plan of redemption for his people in spite of sin. It's his plan. And, and here's, here's something that just boggles my mind. That Esau was the father of the Edomite people. The Edomites, right, were in constant conflict with Israel Right? They were a thorn in their side. They were always causing issues for the nation of Israel. Right? They didn't like Israel. They wanted to see Israel gone. They didn't like anything that came out of Israel. King Herod, who tried, who killed all the young boys in Bethlehem after Jesus was born, was an Edomite. So even then, right, the Edomites were trying to, to undo the promises of God and to be a thorn in the side of the people, but it is God's plan. And the ultimate heir, they tried to get rid of the ultimate heir, Jesus. Right, so our own spiritual blindness, right? Remember, Isaac's blind here, right? Our own spiritual blindness doesn't thwart the plans of God, right? Because we all are, in some degree, spirit. We don't see everything. We have blind spots. And even those blind spots do not at all alter the plans of God. It is His plan, and He's going to execute that plan perfectly, right? And even, right, our own spiritual... Um, Ignorance, I don't like that word, inattention, right, doesn't thwart the plans of God, right? Because Isaac knew that Jacob was the heir, but he said, ah, no, 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 it's Esau. I'm going to push Esau, right? Even that doesn't undo the plans of God. And so now this isn't an excuse, so don't hear me say, here's your, here's your loophole, here's your wiggle room, right? And it's not an excuse to say, like, well, hey, if it's going to happen anyway, I'm just, what's the matter? Right, I can be a spiritual blind as I want to be. God's plan's going to continue. I don't have to really pay attention. God's plan's going to continue. No, right? The, 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 the challenge here is it's not an excuse, but it's a call to do what? See. To see. Right? And to put yourself in positions where you're, you're, you're walking in the Spirit. You're walking with the Spirit. You're, you're, you're trying to just be attentive, and you're asking God, God, what are you doing here? I don't see what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. What are you doing? Help me to see something, right? It's a call to try to see, to understand who God is and what He is doing, right? So you start looking at, like, your families, 
right? And think like, boy, Isaac's got nothing on us. What's, what's God doing? What's he doing? Because he's doing something. Right? You think about your other relationships. Maybe it's relationships um, at work. Maybe you have that coworker, you know, that one that everyone seems to have. It's just like, <laughs> you know, if they resigned, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Maybe they quit. Right? But no, what is God doing here? How is he using you? Think about maybe trials and sufferings and things that you're going through right now, things that maybe, right, you, you know are coming. It's like, boy, this is going to be tough. Ask now, like, God, what, what are you going to teach me here? What are you trying to show me? Show me. I want to see what you're doing. Give me just a glimpse. Right? And you think about your church family, right? You look, look around here. You look at one another and just be like, oh, boy, they're kind of they're quirky, right? But they're part of your church family, right? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And God's going to use those, those quirks. And listen, I've got them, right? He's going to use those to, to, to challenge myself and maybe to challenge other people, but to, to strengthen His church and to accomplish His purposes because His plan cannot be stopped. It is His plan. So by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. God had to back him into a corner, but he believed. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for our time together and your words. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement um, that your word is to us. Lord, I thank you for the challenges um, that your word um, presents to us. Lord, I'm thankful that what you have given us in your words is a complete story of your grace. Lord, a story of you dealing with the issue of sin that mankind brought into this world through lack of faith and lack of trust in you. But it is your story. And so even when we can read these accounts of, of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and just see the dysfunction and just, just how messed up it seems to be, but yet you use those things to accomplish your purposes. And Lord, so we thank you that you give us those examples. Well, they are examples for us because we are part of the one family, your family, that is under the headship and the rule of King Jesus, who stands supreme over everything. And so, Lord, when we're tempted to, to doubt and to waver in our faith, Lord, may we cry out to you. Lord, may we come alongside one another and point and say, see what God is doing, and pray that God would, you would show us what you're doing because you are a good and gracious and loving God. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others. And for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit Twin Villages Church. Org. Soli Deo Gloria.